going to do another part, a different, completely different part on true prophet, that is P-R-O-F-I-T, when the word is mixed with faith, true prophet. This will be a second part, although it was a few weeks ago we did our first one. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we have believed, for we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the work. Let's pray. Father, help us to enter into rest again. To rest and receive strength from you. That we may serve you with all that we are. And glorify your name. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. We're told here that in verse 2, there are those who did not mix the word with faith. And it did not profit them. They did not mix what they had heard with faith. And the word was nothing to them. The word prophet is the word otholeo. And it means really to be bettered to be better for service, to be bettered in heart, to be bettered in mind, to be bettered in life, to be bettered for eternity. It means to be bettered, to, be, to succor, to strengthen one. In other words, when we mix the word that we hear, whether it's when we're reading in our devotional reading at home or wherever, or whether we are listening to the preaching of the word, to have it and take it by faith, and say, Lord, you have spoken to me, I am going to receive it. Lord, you have spoken to me, I'm going to believe it. Lord, you have spoken to me, I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to trust it. No matter what way things seem, no matter what way things look, it's the word mixed with faith. And only from there is true prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T, true prophet. As I said in the first one some weeks ago, I don't expect you really to, to remember it, but, you know, profit isn't really in material things. It's nice to have material things. It's nice to be blessed with material things. But that's not true profit. True profit is when we are believing in the Word of God, receiving the Word of God, living according to the Word of God. That's what profits our lives. That's what profits our souls. And that's what will profit our families when our families, it would profit our nation if our nation would live bad also. But notice this. We looked at the first time, and we're not going through it again, about that woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. And she heard of Jesus coming. And we're told that that woman spent all that she had on the doctors these 12 years, and we're told, and was nothing bettered. It's the same word for here of the word being mixed with faith. They did not profit. P-R-O-F-I-T. It's the exact same word, only it's used here for nothing bettered. The woman wasn't bettered by giving all to the doctors. They, it ended up they could do nothing for her. In fact, she suffered at the doctors, were told. They'd done sometimes the suffering she went through of the, the medical regime they went, she went through at, the, at that time. 
she wasn't bettered. But she was bettered when she heard Jesus was coming and went through the press to touch the hem of his garment and were told that, uh, that her, her, her fountain of blood dried up and she knew it. It bettered her, in other words. It bettered her. She met Christ face to face then as he said, who touched me for strength as their virtue has left me and it bettered her. So when we're looking at prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T in the Lord, we are saying, Lord, I know that if I believe you, your word and stand on it, no matter how it looks and whatever we think of it, no matter even if we don't like it, if we apply it to our lives and live it out, somehow we don't see how things work out. We don't see how things can be bettered by this. I spoke just to someone this week at the loss of a loved one. And they said to me, how does God make things better out of this? All things work together for the good. And really it's for, in all things, God works together for the good. But how does he? And I say, well, I don't know. But at some point, in some place, in some part of time, no matter what you go through, no matter what you're facing, no matter the trials, and no matter even the loss of a loved one, you'll find that God will work together for the good. He's working right now for your good. And he's got people and things in place where at some point in time, in his timing, he is going to bring him along your path. He's going to cause it to manifest. He's going to bring it, and he's going to cause it to have action. And you and I can't see it. We can't understand it. We find it hard to receive it. But when we do, and we mix it with faith, not only do we find that God does it, but we find that we're bettered by it. How does God batter you? How does God batter you by the things that happens? He puts an inner lining on you. He puts steel in you, as it were. He, he puts strength in you. And, and he betters you for things that are coming ahead as well. He betters you in that place to learn from the past experience. And he betters you that you'll go into the new experience stronger and better and knowing how to deal with it. That even when things are so bad, you're able to say, well, Lord, uh, you are the same. You'll do it again. You'll come through for me. And whatever it is in this period of time, you're working for my good. To be bettered. So I want to get better. Do you want to get better? Whatever it is, I want to get better. I want to get better in ministry. I want to get better in, in prayer life. I, I mentioned those things. I want to get better, continuously getting better. And sometimes when we say, Lord, increase our faith, that can be the most dangerous thing that you can say. For as soon as you say, and you mean from your heart, increase my faith, I want to have an anointing. I want to have this anointing in action. I want to see things happen for God. You're going to be tested and tried, but you have to trust God, mix the word with faith, believe him through it, and see that he will profit you. He will better you, and it's true profit. It's true profit. This woman was bettered by Christ, mixing the word with faith. And the idea here in our reading is that those who said they heard the word, and they knew fine rightly, they knew that, they knew that this was true and the, and the Judaism at the time, the Judaizers as they would be known as at the time, the, 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 the Talmudic uh, teachings that they were learning, they knew there's no, there's no rest in this. There's no satisfaction in this. I was handed a, a testimony of a, of, a, of a girl and I'm going to see if I'm, if I'm allowed to copy it and get, get copies for you. She was a, a, a Sinn Féin activist when she was young and her father still is and, and he, she detested the Protestants and her, her dad um, 
was just really, he was the same. And she tells her story, and, uh, and she gets saved. She tells her story how she gets saved. She met a, a fella, and, and he wasn't saved, and he was from a Protestant background, and they couldn't tell the parents who he was. Or, and when the parents found out that he became from a free pay family, they stopped speaking to her for a couple of years and so on. And she, she says she went, and she done the rosary, she says, 50 times of praying, sometimes a rosary, uh, like five times a day or something like that, that was he prayed. And she says she was always at the meetings, she was always at mass, she was always at church, and nothing satisfied her. She was so religious in the faith that, uh, in the Roman Catholic faith, just nothing was satisfying me. No matter what I put my mind to and my heart to in the church, says nothing would satisfy me. There was something vacant in me. It's a wonderful testimony. Roisin, something I can't remember second yet. And she's given her testimony in this church, and she says, it's when she realized that it was the word of God mixed with faith, for she wasn't meant to have a Bible at home or allowed a Bible at home, and, and they, weren't, they weren't encouraged to read the Bible, and she didn't know any of her friends that had Bibles. And she says that I was reading the, the word of God after going to a gospel meeting one night in, the, in, in her then boyfriend's church and her hair was purple and green and all that sort of stuff and piercings and holes in her face and all that sort of, whatever way, I'm just imagining the way she, she must have looked. And she says, you know, when she came in, she felt really strange, but something happened with the word and faith was quickened in her heart. She couldn't get rid of it. She couldn't get rid of it. Where there was no Bible, she took one. And you know what she did? She went home and started reading her Bible in her house where there was no Bible, she took one home. She started reading the Word of God. And, and this girl was only, by the time she was 18, she had been in, in, in hospital for drink addictions and so on as well. And suddenly God came, and the Word mixed with faith. Listen, heal her body. The Word mixed with faith saved her soul. She's seen Christ, the man who died for her. And she realized that it wasn't in the Catholic Church, and it wasn't in the Free Presbyterian Church. She realized, here is a man, like this woman realized. She heard the Word mixed with faith from the Holy Spirit, and she's born again of the Spirit, washed in the blood. Tremendous testimony. She's given her testimony, and even just her speech of, you can, you can feel from her, she knows the Savior. She knows him. And there's many men and women go to church, whatever denomination, and they don't know the Savior. The word that they have heard preached was never mixed with faith. It was the same here in the book of Hebrews. They heard the word. Mm, certain degree, they believed the word. But there was no Holy Ghost quickening for them, and they did not receive by faith and hold on to the word. They went away empty. And look what the writer says here. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into rest any of you should seem to come short of it. Paul, well, I'm saying Paul, but I believe Paul wrote Hebrew, so forgive me. The Hebrew writer, the Hebrew writer here is saying, look, if you truly have come to know Jesus as your own Lord and personal Savior, if you've truly come to know him and you've truly come to love him and you have him in your life, he says, there's not a day in your life goes by that you will not know that he is yours and you're his. There might be times when 
whenever we need an assurance of faith in our life. He says, but when the word of God that we have received after hearing the preaching of the word, when we hear that word and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, do you know what we find? We find that he is with us always. He's with us in our hearts. He's with us in our lives. He's with us in our minds. He's with us when we're gathering together and he's with us when we're on our own. He's with us in the car and he's with us at work and he's with us whenever you're at home on your own. He's with us wherever you're in the park or you're walking across the fields. He's with us all the time and you're conscious, conscious of this wonderful Christ. You're conscious of him. And we may fail him and we may fall. Because none of us are perfect. But we're conscious of him and he picks us up and he brings us into rest. I haven't time to look at the rest. Maybe you do an old one more part next week and look at rest. And he brings us into rest. You know, when you're wrestling with God, not in prayer, but in conviction. When you're wrestling with God, not in prayer, but in something that we have said or done or been or whatever, whatever it is, when you're wrestling with God, there is a rest for you, brothers and sisters. There's a rest for you. Mix the word of God with faith that is that he loves you with an everlasting love and he'll not turn you away. You must mix this word this morning with faith and, and that he will forgive you when you come to him because the word of God tells us that. And if we confess our sins... He is faithful. Notice you're not faithful and I'm not faithful, but he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There's a rest in God for every failure. There's a rest in God for every repentant sinner. There's a rest in God and, and outside of that rest, even as a Christian, we have that gnawing ache of consciousness. And God says, and we don't do, we don't mix with faith, and we let it die in us rather than live in us and walk in it. What has God spoken to you right now? Who has God shown you right now? What has God asked of you right now? Mix it with faith, for that's His word, that's His spirit. Mix it with faith and say, Lord, I'm going to mix this with faith that, that, that you're going to keep me, that you're going to strengthen me, that you're going to help me, that you're going to hold me, that you're going to succor me, that you're going to make me better. And that is true prophet, brothers and sisters. You want to know true prophet? Is take what you hear from the word of God and mix it with faith and hold on to it. That's true prophet. Listen, we can talk about prophet. We can talk about profit of the word. We can talk about profit of things. But look, a church with, with profit of the worldly things is not a profitable church. It's not a profitable church. A church in, uh, that's profiting in, in, in name, if there's no persecution, if, if we go along and the word is pleased with us, and, and the workplace is pleased with us, and your workmates are pleased with us, and, and, and your family, every one of them are pleased with us, and everyone you want to be is pleased with you, then you're missing something because we're meant to be different. We're meant to be profiting in the word mixed with faith, and we're meant to be standing out. We're meant to be lights in a dark place, and, and that stands out nothing more than that. We'll stand out in a light shining in the dark. It may blind at times, but it's attractive. 
It shows the way and it leads the path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the word mixed with faith in our lives will show that in our lives and will show others around us. And here the, the writer is saying, look, let us fear lest a, a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Are you coming short of rest this morning? You're annoyed. You're agitated. You're grieved and, oh, you're hurt or you're disappointed or you're disillusioned or, or whatever it may be or you're convicted of something and you're saying, I can't enter rest because my mind won't allow me. Then brothers and sisters, you need to rejoice that God is speaking to you. Rejoice that it's the Holy Ghost he is showing us and he's, he's quickening us and, and he's telling us and he's leading us. And when I would wander from the path astray, yet he will draw me back into his way. In other words, whenever God speaks to us like this, he's saying, look, I love you so much, I want to draw you with that shepherd's crook back into the way back to me, back to my side, back to the path, back to the place where you and I are walking together. And you can enter into rest. You can enter into rest of, the rest of Christ, the rest of God. In Hebrews chapter four, when you go home, read it, and it speaks of rest. And it speaks of rest about seven times. Different rest. No rest and God's rest and the, the rest that, that is promised to us. And I'll look at it again, but there's rest for you this morning. There's rest and, and God's saying, look, if, if my people will hear my word, if my people will take my word, if my people will receive my word and live in my word and walk in my word, then I will lead them into my rest. It's a perfect rest. Whenever we go to Revelation chapter 3, we talk about prophet. And the Lord Jesus writes to the, 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 the church at Sardis in the beginning of chapter 3, and he says, Thou hast the name that thou art living, but you're dead. God forbid that Christ would ever look upon Donald Cloney Elam. And God forbid that he would look upon us in our lives as an assembly. And, and, and people out there, they're, they're hearing of this little village. This little village is on the map. This little assembly is on the map. This little, this little village and assembly and this people here that we have here, and it's not the smallest of churches, but it's not the greatest, biggest of churches, but nevertheless, God has done a work in it and God has placed it, as it were, on the map, the map of this world. And he said, look, here is light, here is corn, here is wheat, here is food, here is a fountain of living water. But God forbid that it ever gets to the place where people say, I hear there's the, the, the Lord's moving down there in that place. I hear that God's blessing there. I hear that God is touching there, that there's been healings there, and there has been, and yet they come here and find it dead. Find it dead. There's no spirit in the meeting. The word isn't mixed with faith in our lives, and we're dead. I ask the name that they are living. I'm going down to, to, to see what's going on in that place. But thou art dead. Many people have a Christian facade. They must be a nice, real nice Christian person. 
Maybe they are, but living for Christ, they're dead. In Revelation chapter 3, also the last church that Christ writes to is the church of the Laodicean church, which is the church of this last age before the coming of Christ in which you and I are living in. And he says to the church, he speaks to them, listen to what he says. Thou sayest, thou sayest, thou sayest church. And I look at this, I see the Western church as it were. Listen to what he says. Thou sayest, I I'm rich and increased with goods and of need of nothing. What? Jesus is outside the door looking in. We have our comforts. We have our riches. We have our material blessings. I am rich and increased with goods and of need of nothing. He says, but knowest thou not that thou art, this is how he said Thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Wow. Here's this church with all the adorning stuff. Here's this church with the thousands in their auditoriums. Here's this church with their uh, their most professional outfit of worship. Here's this church with, with, with all of their wonders and their splendors and their programs. And here it is. And, and Jesus and Jesus looks at it today. And, and there's churches where they're hiding underground. There's wee groups of people and, and they're hiding underground to worship Jesus. They, they get a Bible and, and they grab it and run with it. like It's like, a, a, pardon the expression, a dog with a stick or a bone. And they're running with it in case others would take it from them. They memorize the scriptures. So if they, if they have the Bible taken and burnt or the copy of it destroyed, it's in their heart and it's in their mind. They mix it with faith and they live according to it. Yet the church in the West is dead. And it's increased with goods and, and of need of nothing. Instead, the other the other churches, whether they be in Africa or in India or China or, or South America and the poorer regions, they're saying, we have nothing but Christ, but they're richer than us. They're richer than us. And they're mixing the word with faith. And they're growing. They're growing. Brothers and sisters, when will we learn? This is not a condemnation. For I'm in this with you. When will we learn it's not our comforts, it's not, our, uh, it's not the best of jobs, it's not a, our, 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 our overtime and trying to get more money. When will we learn they're all things that we need to live, we understand that, but when will we learn that they should never, ever, ever take the place of Christ? Never. In Hebrews 4, he says, we're short of rest. I believe, now this is my own belief, you don't have to believe this, but I personally believe that the church in Britain and in the West, the United States and Canada, has become in many areas so apostatized. It doesn't even resemble the church of Christ anymore. It resembles social gatherings. Jesus says in Revelation 3, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. <laughs> he says to buy I salve of thee, white raiment that you may be clothed. He says, come to me and buy of me for the things that I have are eternal. 
And the writer here says, look, if we don't mix the word with faith, we will not enter into rest. If I can just give you a couple of examples, I'm going to wrap this up in a moment because I feel it's Father's Day and I want people to get away and get their dinner and try and give you the chance to get out tonight. Let me just give you a couple of examples that I can, and forgive me if they're poor examples, because sometimes I give examples and I think maybe that wasn't the greatest of example, or maybe people think I'm hammering. Last week, was it, was it last week, we the football for a bit, but that was just to try and give you a big example. God's speaking to you right now, has been, before this meeting or even during it, as this word is coming, and you know God's dealing with you in the scriptures. And, and even if you say, Lord, but I really don't want to do this. But Lord, I can't go to that person and admit my guilt. Or Lord, I can't do that. Or I mean, it was a case of when I used to go praying over a golf course early in the mornings. Used to walk, well, it's not really a golf course. It was a poor state of a golf course. We used to walk over, I used to walk over early in the mornings and I used to say, Lord, send me anywhere you want and I will go. I'll do anything for you, Lord. So glad I'm saved. And, and I was a young Christian. So glad I'm saved. So delighted to be born again and forgiven of my sin. To have this new, this new life that you have given me. I will go anywhere for you, Lord. And the Lord says, right. Go home and tell your wife you're, you're giving away everything you own. Pack a suitcase and go to Romania. What? I didn't mean that. <laughs> but he did. Don't sell it. Give it all away. I'll prove you. So I go home. And I'm going, how am I going to tell Alison? Lord, this is definitely you. You have told me. I know you've told me this. And I'd been reading way before this, and the Lord was showing me things and was praying about them. And, and I had to mix it with faith in order for obedience to come and profit to come. True profit. And I went home, and there was Alison. Long kitchen. And Alison's not the sort of crying type, but she's standing there. You see her shoulders, you know. I thought she's either laughing or crying at the kitchen, at the cooker. And I would go down, and I says, are you all right? And turn around, and tears are streaming from her. She's got a pot on staring. <laughs> and I says, what's, cutting onions maybe, you know, I don't know. Couldn't have told you what had happened. She turned around. She couldn't talk to me. I thought, somebody's died. Okay, come on in, the, come on in the, around the dining room table, and I sat her down. And I says, right, okay, you're okay, look What's happened? She couldn't talk to me. And there's a wee blue King James Bible her, her dead grandfather, he was alive then, gave to her. He, a brethren preacher. Sitting on the table and she points to it. I couldn't talk. <laughs> Got her settled down and we prayed a bit for her. I said, now, what is wrong? She says, God spoke to me. I says, okay. What did he say? You have to give up everything we have and go to Romania. I says, please, we have to tell me out of the golf course. I've been reading in the Lord's shoulder, Christ falling on his face in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
He just says, Lord, why did you have to do that? And the answer came back for you. Now do this for me. We gave everything away. Everything. We had a couple of wee things we could wrap up and take for, that were wedding presents. And we'd, we'd worked in this house. Well, we didn't work. We had work in this house for three months. Got at it from top to bottom. We were only in it three months. We lived uh, with dust sandwiches, you know, walking across a board from the kitchen over with our dinners in a tray to go into a back bedroom with our knees up there, chest eating for three months. And she only had it, uh, our first real new home, perfect in every way she wanted it. She had it for three months and God says, now will you give that up? And you know what? It wasn't she was crying because she had to give it up. No. She was crying because God had spoken to her. And it just touched her heart. That's why she was crying. And we did it. We went. God blessed there and we came home. And things happened. We didn't go back out again. Couldn't understand why. God started the add to us everything that we needed. More spiritual giftings came. Started bringing us further into ministry. We've done children's ministry and Sunday schools. And, and God says, I'm going to show you true prophets, son. So that's an example. What if God says to you, I want you to give everything I want you to sell your house and give it. I want you to sell your car and give it. What if God said that to you? And you know it's him. Will you mix it with faith? And say, no matter what this world affords, Lord, I'm trusting you in it. Because that'll be true profit. You know what it'll be? It will better you. It'll make you better. And it brings you into rest and you can wrestle with it for a week, a day, a month, a year or for a few years but God will say, you still haven't done it and still in our conscience. I remember one time, and I'll close in saying this, I remember one time I was sitting in the, in the big church we were at and, and, and there was, I don't know, 1,200 people at the Bible study. And I'm sitting in the second row back and, and you were getting nervous because you know our, our pastor, he was... Uh, he can be pretty strict. He can be pretty strict. And when the spiritual gifts were in operation and, and someone maybe gave a message in a tongue and then there had been an interpretation or the pastor interpreted or, or someone would have interpreted and it was powerful, it was mighty. And, and I remember one time, I had never ever given an interpretation before and I'm sitting in the seat and this came upon me and I refused I was wrestling with God. No, no, I can't. And I knew the word was going over in me and over in me and over in me. And I'm going, I can't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I can't, I can't. There was a gap left waiting and it was waiting like a spirit was hovering. It lifted off me. And a woman just a few seats down get up and gave the interpretation. You know what the interpretation was? And this isn't it forbidden, but not in so many words. But this is what it was. I have given you a gift and you have refused my spirit. <laughs> I will come again in my timing. You have prayed long. 
now you will wait again in me. And I said, Lord, I will never do that. Please forgive me. I was petrified. I was petrified. And I've never done it again. You have to mix the word with faith for spiritual gifting. You have to mix the word with faith for healing. You have to mix the word of faith for your life. And that's true profit. That's true profit. I never touched one of my notes this morning, so more for next week. I had it there and I thought, you know what? We'll just go as the Spirit leads us this morning. We're going to go home. <laughs>